Hello, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Beyond Damascus is a show where encounter meets mission. We want people who have had an encounter with Jesus Christ to be propelled into a missionary lifestyle. My name is Dan Demite, and Hi. I am joined here in studio with my co-host and brother in Christ, Aaron uh, Richards. Aaron Richards. It's good to see everybody. Yes, you can see our audience, Aaron, on radio. Always. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so beautiful. I remember when I was in middle school, I listened to this like morning radio show on a Christian station every morning, and uh-huh. these guys were like hilarious, I, I, and I liked them so much, I had this image of how cool they were going to be and like oh, how like amazing they would be big and then i go to a concert in eighth grade and i see the, 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 these like hosts for this radio show and i was like they were le- slightly less cool well they just weren't what i was expecting let's say well, that folks so, we are what you're expecting oh we are so. about as cool as they come I, I when i think about myself i think man dan i you're a cool person okay mm. i'm uh ladies and gentlemen so beyond damascus is <laughs> it, it, all about Having our hearts set on fire, so when we encounter Jesus Christ, we don't yeah. just encounter Him and go into our closet and stay there forever, that we go mm. into the closet of prayer and contemplation and intimacy with Jesus, so it propels us into the world like uh, on mission, just like how St. Paul had that encounter with Jesus that led to his incredible missionary activity. And so, we want uh, we got an awesome show today, Aaron, uh, but before that, do you want to open us in prayer? I would love to. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for having uh, plans for our life that it, it it's your desire that we would come to know. Thank you for being creative in the way that you inspire this world. God, when we look out at creation, when we look out at the, the world that you have built and placed um, Jesus at our service that, that you've called us to, to be a part of, we, we thank you for every heart that we uh, have the opportunity to influence in every life that we're influenced by. Um, Jesus, we pray that today's show would be an inspiration for many people, that they'd come to uh, hear with new ears, uh, to experience with a new heart the, the, the call that you have, the authentic call that you have to um, creative influence and, uh, and how it is that you want to impact this world in a new generation. Yeah, Lord, and I just pray that today you would impact our listeners' hearts and they would just be set on fire for you, mm-hmm. that you would help them discover how to do whatever they're doing and to do it for you, Lord, yep. that our everyday lives would become moments of evangelization, that our everyday lives would become moments of missionary work, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Dan, I was just thinking as we were as we were praying, how cool it is, you know, you mentioned the, the Christian radio show that you used to listen to when you were a kid. Yeah. How cool it is that, that we, uh, that this show is being aired on a Catholic radio station. Yeah. Um, you know, just just a a, a brief uh, testimony to like how impactful Catholic radio can be. I remember as um, even in high school and in college, as I was I was driving, I did, I did a lot of of commuting in, um, in in high school and college back and forth to home, and uh, you know, whenever I was able to turn on Catholic radio, um, it always it always inspired me to a to a, a new way of thinking and a new way of praying and a new way of being influenced and um, it's such a it's such a cool opportunity that you know if you think back to the history of our church uh, we have a we have an ability to be exposed to to a unique I don't know mode of transmission of the gospel that hasn't always been around 
Absolutely. Yeah, we. I was just in Peoria this past weekend, and uh, that's where Archbishop Fulton Sheen's uh, body now rests and where he's originally from, and uh, he's going to be beatified here soon. Yeah. And, I mean, he was just this incredible giant who brought Jesus on the airwaves, right? There's that forerunner who allowed the gospel to be proclaimed in everyone's house, yeah. which is just nuts. And you couldn't have done that 100 years ago. So support Catholic Radio, number one. <laughs> and, uh, and number two, you know, it's it's so cool to see that that as um, I don't know as the world as the world develops as the as the world grows as, as technology moves and changes that that God isn't limited to the ways of the communication of the gospel that he established 2,000 years ago, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what we want to talk about today. So our show, we're going to bring on uh, just an incredible guest here after our first break. His name's Miles Foley. He's a general manager for a great organization called Five Stones. Um, But before that, we just want to share, like, he's going to be talking about the new evangelization and the way they've brought the new evangelization to the world. And this this idea of the new evangelization, you know, John Paul II said um, when, when, when he first, like, started using this phrase in the church. He said, we need an evangelization that's new in its ardor, its method, and its expression, right? Yep. And I just love that, like, new in its ardor. Like, we, it, there's nothing worse than sad, like, saints, right? Like, you don't you don't see saints that are, like, miserable and sad. They're filled with joy and passion. And, and if we have a bunch of, like, Christians who are trying to share the gospel, but they themselves aren't living with resurrected joy, that's not compelling. And, and uh, like, uh, uh, it, like, is Jesus the cause of my joy or yeah. not, right? And even in the midst of difficulty and suffering, I can have happiness. I can have joy uh, that um, because I find just this incredible... Uh, solace in, in Jesus Christ. And so new in its ardor that we share the gospel with passion, but new in its methods and expressions, like that we would ask ourselves, you know, God, how can I transfer the gospel and proclaim the gospel in new ways that has never been done before? Yep. What well, we, we, we did that, right, Aaron, when we were younger and we started this summer camp, like how was our summer camp kind of new in its expressions and methodology? Yeah, I mean, our, our, our motto at Catholic Youth Summer Camp is, is to live the adventure, right? That we, we, we build upon this philosophy of high adventure activity that leads to high adventure faith. And, um, you know, we shouldn't live in a place where our faith is boring. I mean, so many times we've seen in, in youth ministry, uh, you, you guys know the statistics, right? Our, our listeners know the statistics that, are, that our church um, is regrettably in decline, but it's not inevitable, and, you know, within 10 years of confirmation, five out of six young people will leave the practice of their faith. And if you ask them why, it's often not because they disagree with church teaching, um, but it's because they, they haven't had an authentic, engaging expression of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, we're committed to, um, and we always have been, to, to, to making sure that that... Uh, that presentation of the gospel is alive, like it's like it's supposed to be. I mean, um, never be, never in scripture do you see the the, the gospel being some um, I don't know dead religion that that we're called to you know that we're called to accept and uh, satisfy our obligation and. Uh, and move throughout life, uh, occasionally thinking back to those times of influence, but rather it's the foundation that inspires an adventurous lifestyle that's lived, um, that's lived powerfully. So we do it, we, we do it through high adventure activities. Every activity that we do through the course of our day is built up to actually encourage that powerful, um, that powerful moment of faith encounter that, that because on the high ropes course and because on the giant swing and the zip line that, that you agreed 
uh, that the, our campers agreed to to take a take a step of faith to to push themselves beyond their comfort zone. That now in our evening sessions, as we're you know through powerful faith presentation and through music and through art and through uh, video and and photography and drama on stage and um, you know gospel message that 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 all of this stuff that that opens them to an invitation, you know. They're going to take the same leap of faith that they did on the ropes course. They're going to take the same leap of faith that they did uh, on the zip line. Why? Because we're building a lifestyle that says that my faith is worth stretching for, right? Yeah. That my, my faith is an adventure that's meant to be lived, not meant to be put in a box. Yeah, so if you're new to our show, Aaron and I, we started about 20 years ago a summer camp called Catholic Youth Summer Camp, and we it's a, a week-long, uh, six-day, five-night adventure camp where all these adventure sports happen, like Aaron's talking about, and yet young people are having these profound faith encounters with Jesus Christ. You know, when you, you walk into a religion class, uh, it's not like the kids in the religion class are like, man, I'm so excited to like check out my religion textbook, and like I'm so pumped up, you know, like because... Not those, the textbooks are a bad thing. <laughs> no, not that... It's <laughs> It's not that we shouldn't be doing uh, religious education for young people, but it's that we need to do something in addition to that as well, right? The Catholic evangelization to the young church, and I would say even to adults, it can't only be an intellectual activity, that there has to be opportunities that engage people in modes and methods and expressions that are engaging for them wherever they're at, right? And so a young middle school boy or a high school girl who maybe isn't um, already passionate about the faith gets an entry-level experience to meet the person of Jesus Christ and to find the gospel because you go into a middle school class and you say, hey, come to this camp that has paintballing and zip lines and rock climbing, and their eyes all perk up, and they're like, whoa, now you're talking my language. And it's so, it's so funny because we do um, faith discussions, right? Every night we'll have small group discussion, or we call it cabin time, where the, the boys or the girls from their cabin, they sit, and after, you know, they have daily mass, they have daily prayer time, they have a daily catechesis, they're going through all these times of worship and, and prayer throughout the day as well, but at the end of the day, we're sitting and we're sharing our faith. And if you've ever led a small group discussion for a group of like sixth or seventh grade boys... They don't have much to say, right? And <laughs> sometimes you'll go into a church and like you're or uh, and you're trying to lead a discussion, and it's like crickets, and you're like, "How do I get these kids to open up and share?" But we don't have that problem necessarily at camp yeah. because what happens is their counselor is playing paintball with them earlier in the day, and their counselor is this young, cool, like twenty three year old, and then they're having a faith discussion with them later, and because the counselor was able to engage on a human level with the person, now all of a sudden they're able to engage much more easily on a spiritual level. So the conversations just naturally lend themselves to be more dynamic, more open, and more uh, honest. And and so faith is often discovered, and evangelization often uh, is discovered when we meet people first and foremost on a human level and engage them with their own human passions, their own human desires, and then all of a sudden we lead them into their spiritual heart and their desires for the spiritual life the this adventurous life that they want to live yep um it's so amazing it's new new expressions new passions right if you you haven't heard of catholic summer camp i encourage you to check out cysc.com we'll have about four thousand six hundred campers this year uh we still have space available for middle school and high school age young people so check it out yeah so the, the the new evangelization the call to the new evangelization is a call for everyone it's a call for every catholic and uh, and you may not, you may, or you may not be that, uh, that young 23 year old, uh, 
counselor, right? Um, and uh, the 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 truth is that each one of us is called to a unique expression of our common call to evangelize. Yeah. So uh, whether you are um, whether whether you feel like that is a that's a gift that you have or not, we have the responsibility to engage with one another in highlighting um, the strengths of each other and of complementing our particular areas of struggle right so, so what, i think so sorry. whether you're a parent and 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 you know okay my kid needs an awakening like this um you know send him to kathy Hughes summer camp or if you are uh if if you have a particular gift in a particular area like we need to we need to challenge ourselves to put our gifts and our talents at the service of the gospel um and at the same time to support those who are doing this profoundly and in very unique ways. Yeah, and that's what you're going to hear from our guest today. So it's I think sometimes you're like, oh, well, I couldn't start uh, a youth camp, right? Yep. That's just not my gift. And so I, apparently I should just still uh, just go on with my life and not evangelize. Or I can't, I don't know how to start a radio station, so I'm not going to do that, you know? And um, someone who knew how to start a radio station and was hungry to start a radio station started a radio station and started evangelizing on air, right? Someone who, with a passion and a call to start a camp did that, right? What is God asking you to do, right? And maybe sometimes it's getting starting something new, or maybe it's just getting behind someone who's already started something, right? Yep. That, that God is asking you to bring your unique gifts and talents and hunger and passion and zeal into this, this cause of evangelization so that every single person will hear the name of Jesus and they'll have an opportunity to discover him new in their life. So we should probably take a break. We're going to take a quick pause. And when we come back, we're going to bring on our guest, Miles Foley, who is doing this in a really neat, unique way uh, to bring the gospel to others uh, and to allow the gospel to be spread through the new evangelization. Uh, We will join you on the flip side. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title of the angelic doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the Church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It helped him earn the title Doctor of the Church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The EWTN home video highlight for November is St. Teresa of the Andes. Her life was hidden in God, full of love, sacrifice, and prayer. This mystical union was the source of her tremendous joy. Order your DVD at EWTNRC.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Or call 1-800-854-6316. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. We have an incredible missionary disciple on our show today, Miles Foley. Let's welcome Miles Foley. Yeah! What's up, brother? How are you? Welcome, Miles. Doing well, guys. How are you guys? Oh, so good. Thank you for giving your life to Jesus Christ and uh, the cause of evangelization, Miles. Um, Yeah. So Miles is the the general manager for an organization called Five Stones. So Miles, maybe you could uh, just explain to our audience, what is Five Stones and how are you guys participating in the work of evangelization? Sure, sure. No, and and the the top part of your show is amazing. Talking about the the new evangelization and the new method and the new order, the new expression, and that's really the DNA of what we're doing here. Yeah. So, 
Um, we're out here. We're outside of Chicago. We're in the middle of the country. Um, I'm not from here. I'm originally from California, so it's um, it's kind of funny to experience snow all the time. But um, <laughs> but we're what we're out here. We're building uh, an apostolate. Um, kind of a little background, I suppose. Uh, we actually were born out of the mission of of Lighthouse Catholic Media, which uh, may, maybe your listeners are familiar with uh, the kiosks in the back of parishes with CDs and books and, Ooh, um, yeah. and other kind of faith evangelization, um, kind of building up uh, materials. And so um, that was the response to of a call from uh, from a gentleman who was returning into his faith um, and had been gifted uh, a talk by Dr. Skahan, and it, it really radically changed his life. And he thought, how do I, uh, how do I get uh, everybody to experience a presentation of the faith that is compelling and that is articulate and that is inspiring? Um, and from there, he just gave his life to Jesus Christ uh, in service of this, of this mission of essentially taking high-quality presentations um, in an easy-to-digest format, like then it was a CD, um, and, and from there, the Lord just, just really expanded that mission, um, and a lot of us sort of flocked out here to the middle of the country to help support that mission. Um, and, and because we were um, sort of receiving uh, this gift of these, um, these presentations, our, our team wasn't really creating any content. We were just taking great content that was from the minds and the hearts of some of the greatest uh, theologians and speakers and priests and authors, and, and finding a way to get them into the hands of as many people as possible. And so um, essentially what happened is we just built up a team of folks who are um, inspired by evangelization and inspired to share the good news, but who, uh, who had unique skills in areas of the church um, that we don't often think about. So they're not maybe great speakers or great authors, but they're really great marketers, or they're really great uh, warehouse employees, or they're really great customer service agents. All the pieces um, of of the apostolate that kind of needed to support uh, the mission of evangelization, but in a kind of a unique and different way in, in the, you know, the 2000s with the booming e-commerce environment and the way people interact with media. And as we said yes to more and more of those calls and, and to more and more of those relationships, um, the Lord really put on our heart that there's something special going on in the church right now. Uh, there's something uh, unique in, in this new evangelization and the way that um, folks are responding uh, with new methods and new expressions of evangelization. And we need to uh, be open to supporting those even outside of, of the content that we're creating. And so um, Five Stones was a response to that call. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's a matter of um, not only are we supporting Lighthouse Catholic Media and, and Augustine Institute, who ended up um, taking over that content, um, but we have about 20 to 50 different Catholic apostles that we're working with on a daily basis um, who are doing something unique um, and new in the church in a really beautiful way, whether it be um, writing new books or having Catholic youth summer camps or, um, you know, creating new kinds of content or new kinds of experiences. And uh, the Lord has called a team out here to support those endeavors um, in a unique and interesting way. So you, you're an organization that is, is meant to serve Catholic apostolates, which is really cool, and help them propel their missions forward. And what, what, what are your, like, what's behind the name? Why Five Stones? Sure, great question. So as we were praying through this sort of unique call, um, we really the, the sense of humility uh, came about. Like this is um, really we're in, we're in the background of this thing. And so the story of Five Stones actually harkens back to the story of David and Goliath. Um, if you recall in that story, um, David goes into the wadi and he grabs five smooth stones um, that he's going to use uh, in his slingshot to take down um, Goliath. And so um, the name harkens back to the idea that, that we're not the Davids in the world. We're not the people that are um, the anointed uh, king in this way. We're not the ones who are going to slay Goliath, but we are going to be a, an agile tool in their hands. So 
um, whether the, the Goliath be apathy or indifference or, um, or sadness or depression or lack of faith, um, we partner with folks who are Davids who have a unique call, and um, we're just a, we're an agile tool in their hands that they can use to slay those giants. And so it um, kind of bespeaks our, um, our personality of being um, servants, to, like a servant to the servant, and, um, and helping the Lord uh, using our gifts in that way. I think that's just so stinking mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because <laughs> I think so often, like number one, um, if if we're if we have this conversion, we we're filled with zeal immediately from the moment of conversion to that first sense of zeal. We want to go out and be the David, right? And we're like, "Come on, Lord, put me on this massive stage and let me do everything and be the the superstar giant," you know. And sometimes uh, the the Lord wants um, wants us just to be the stone that helps get behind the work of evangelization in other ways. And um, or people are like, "You know, I'm not a David. I don't have this like I don't see myself as this ma- with this massive calling. <laughs> therefore, and, I'm useless. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, I have nothing to do. Right. And uh, so I'll just quietly stay but you've actually uh, found within discernment that your call is to support um and, and in that call that's where your gifts line up so what what's the kind of support i think the five stones don't they also like align to the kind of support you provide people that's right that's right yeah you guys are great by the way i need to hire you guys to be like our marketing <laughs> <people>. <laughs> yeah so our five stones it kind of worked out that you know as we prayed through this this gift of humility uh and and service um we uh, it sort of lined up with these five stones like you mentioned uh so we call them our stones now um, but our five services that we use to support catholic organizations are um, warehousing so we actually have a, a we just rebuilt a, a relatively large warehouse it's about forty five thousand square feet and about 32 feet high. I don't know if your listeners are visual people. I know Aaron can see your listeners, but... It's a really, um, it's really, big, big, it's a really big building. That like. um, and that's just stuffed to the gills with um, Catholic books and DVDs and T-shirts and rosaries and scapulars and um, stuffed animals and, and, and all these uh, artwork, all these unique Catholic things to help share um, in evangelization. Um, so we, we help folks who are um, offering products. We're able to... Um, especially, you know, essentially if you've ever bought things on Amazon or something like that, we're um, packing up orders. We get about uh, about 1,200 to 1,500 orders a day will come in through, like I said, about 20 different Catholic apostolates, and we're packing those up and shipping those out to the end user, which is um, really remarkable to me when I walk through that. Um, you really see um, just how, how impactful the church's uh, evangelical mission is that we're getting um, people are interacting with this this material, and we're able to to ship it to them. You know, using uh, modern means of transportation. You know, using the gospel with these um, with these new technologies, and and interacting with UPS and things like that. So, um, so the first service is the warehouse. Um, kind of connected to that is customer service. So, if um, you know, God forbid, uh, someone's package is lost, or uh, they need a refund, or they need help, kind of figure out what's the best book to buy. Um, their kid as they go off to college, something like that. Our customer service agents um, are answering phones and emails and um, and helping helping folks um, discern and, and just you know with the standard customer service things that come up um, through running um, a Catholic apostolate. So those are the first two, um, and then we also have um, we have a team of digital marketers, uh, and those are folks who are um, helping to um, essentially position. Um, people's ideas and products and services um, and and make sure that they're articulating the value of those things in the best possible way. So we have marketers who are um, specializing like in emails or social media campaigns or um, print materials and advertising, and um, it's an amazing group of folks over there. Um, We also have graphic designers. Um, That's our fourth um, stone, so to speak, Um, and these are really talented folks who are are making beautiful artwork to depict – 
you know, whether it be a product or a service or an idea, um, and they're just an amazing group over there. And then uh, lastly, we have a software engineer. So these are, um, we have about seven or eight of these guys who are um, using their gifts and technology uh, to build websites and apps to help serve the church and, and to um, use modern technology to push the gospel forward. And um, it really is an amazing group over there. So those are our five stones. Uh, those are the five ways that we support Catholic apostolates. Um, some of our, uh, our Catholic uh, apostolates use one of those stones. Some of them use all five. And, uh, and it's just an amazing opportunity to come alongside folks and to use our unique skill sets that, um, like you mentioned, if, if some people are called to do a specific thing in the church, like to be a speaker, to be a writer, to, be, um, to start a, a, a summer camp, um, but they might not have all those different skill sets. And so we are, um, we are the parts of the body that kind of make up the whole body in Christ and help people to propel their, their mission forward so that they don't have to be great at everything, but they can be good at the thing that the Lord has called them to, and then we can come alongside and support that mission. That's just amazing. I think I thank you, Jesus, for you guys. How many employees do you guys have? Uh, we're right now. We're uh, it's amazing. We're about over sixty at this point. Wow, now, which nice. just blows my mind. So yeah, um, and yeah. I, this is just like so. If you, if you uh, listeners, if you understand, like you could even think about just any Catholic apostolate that that you interact with. Just imagine, like so often they struggle with just basic, like that it's a small staff and they're trying to keep up with all of these different um, responsibilities they have. And, and so, you know, being able to have someone who comes alongside of them and helps them in that endeavor is really cool. And I think like when you were describing the warehousing, right, uh, it would be very easy for someone who um, has 25 years of warehousing experience to mm. say to themselves like, well, what, how can I help in, in the work of evangelization, right? Um, but they've got actually an experience that the Catholic Church needs to help propel the gospel that they could very easily contribute their gifts and talents uh, to the to the work of the gospel, you know? And, and, and I think it's that God is so beautiful that no matter who you are, he, he can often transform what he's already done in your life in the natural to use it for the supernatural or uh, our ordinary gifts and talents to use them for some the extraordinary work of evangelization. And uh, that's just, that's really cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll, I mean, I'll tell a quick story about our warehouse foreman, actually, because that's kind of his story. Um, <laughs> he he was a, he owned his own warehousing and fulfillment company, and the Lord put on his heart a desire to serve the church. Um, and through that, he actually um, sold that business and, and started working working for his local parish, he discerned um, that he was called to be a deacon, so he's going through diaconate formation. Um, he heard about Five Stones, and um, he left his parish job to come work for us and to help run our warehouse. And that might sound to some people like moving away from evangelization, but that's actually using this unique uh, skill set that he has to serve the church in a, in a way that is um, profound. And, and, you know, it's a really interesting kind of model for what we're, what we're doing out here and the way that the, the Lord is using people's gifts to serve the church. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean every single person is called to quit their job and do right. it in the church, but um, but maybe some people are, or maybe some people who have those gifts that are in the secular world, as you're right. evangelizing in the secular world, also ask these natural gifts the Lord has equipped me with, how can I help my parish priest? You know, like, um, what, what aspects of my parish life could I help propel evangelization more throughout the, the parish? Because of what I'm doing, I, I think of just so many Catholic lay people who are in marketing fields. Or, uh, or advertising fields that could really help a parish uh, learn how to do better marketing and advertising, Absolutely. right? To Absolutely. get more people yeah. in the or pews. If you have the gift of business administration that you're going and you're helping parishes make make the decisions that they need to build to run their finances effectively. And yeah, it is amazing. I totally encourage people to you know if not everyone's called to leave their jobs like you said and come work at Five Stones in the middle of Illinois, but 
um, you are called to use your gifts and your talents in service of the church, whether that be through director evangelization or supporting folks who are in that direct line of evangelization. So, yeah, that's so good. good. That's awesome. What's your hunger, Miles? What do you want to see for the church? Yeah, amen. Uh, I, at this point, I think, you know, given what we've experienced in the American church, especially in the last couple of years, I think um, the Lord's really calling us to this renovation, I think, um, inspiring us to to restore um, the body of Christ in a really unique way. And, um, you know, you look at all this data and all these metrics around the church, and it can be a little, um, it can be a little concerning, but um, I actually see um, a church that's ready to be lit on fire in a new way. We know, I was sharing with you guys before the before we went on, um, part of Five Stones, part of our mission is not just evangelizing um, like the customers of our of our apostolates, but um, actually starting with experiencing the Lord in our own lives, um, in our workplace, in and through our workplace. So we have things like chapels. Um, we have a chapel with the with the with the Eucharist um, repose, and that we're able to have mass uh, every week and, and rosary and Divine Mercy Chapel throughout our day. And and we inspire uh, our employees to really encounter the Lord Jesus Christ in their workplace throughout their day, and then from there to share that with their neighbors and, and their other coworkers, and then from there, then they can go on and evangelize the world. And so um, what I'm watching is um, folks will come out here. We get, um, we get people from all over the country that move out here, and the way that, it's, uh, the way that our employees are um, being leavened to their parish communities or to their families or to their neighborhoods um, is amazing to me, and I think it's a, it's a model for what the Lord wants to do with, with this um, it's easy, especially in our in our line of work, to kind of think about the national, like the big Catholic apostolates, like EWTN, and they're the ones who are doing amazing work. Um, but we forget that um, by a, like a radical encounter and transformation in Jesus Christ in your own life, and then the desire to share that with just the person next to you, um, that that has a huge um, a huge impact on your neighborhoods. Like the other day, my neighbor was down. He's not a Catholic. He and his his wife and their kids were over playing with our kids and. Um, and I had never shared with them that I had studied theology. And uh, so he's looking at my bookshelf, and he's like, man, you have a lot of books about Jesus on your bookshelf. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, those are all books that I was supposed to read in college. Uh, you know, I studied theology. I buy and, Jesus books. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, when you read it, let me know how it goes. And, uh, and he starts sharing about how uh, he saw a book about John Paul II, and he's like, man, uh, I love John Paul II. I just, he's, he's amazing. Uh, I was always like really inspired by him when he was the Pope, and then when Cardinal Ratzinger became the Pope. And this is a guy who's not a Catholic, um, good Christian guy. But I, I had no, we had never really talked about Jesus, and all of a sudden in that moment, um, it's a chance to talk about you know the beauty of the Catholic faith. And I was able to grab a book um, about John Paul II on the shelf and say, hey, go ahead and read this if you like John Paul II. And um, just like the ability to to form relationships that are beyond just mm-hmm. um, friendships uh, and neighborly, but like, hey, this is this is the faith that I have, and this is the beauty of the Catholic faith, and I'd love for you to learn more about it. Um, and and that, that excites me. It's yeah. really, um, if we have more people that are doing that and responding to that call, um, it's really, uh, I think the Church is going to be um, doing what she's meant to do in a really profound way. Amen. That's so good. Praise the Lord. I love that. You're, you're, you're dead on. Uh, Miles, maybe you could share a little bit about how you came into faith with Jesus Christ, and uh, how did you encounter Jesus and fall in love with Him? Sure, sure. Yeah, so... Um, I wasn't raised uh, Christian in any way. My parents, um, who are uh, amazing, actually had, had both left the church. Um, we grew up in Northern California. They got um, they kind of were in a very culturally Catholic environment, and um, in the sixties and seventies, and um, you know, both went to Catholic school and, and kind of the, the standard like um, folks who who ended ended up drifting away. So. Um, I have one sibling, my younger brother, um, who actually I work with now, which is just an amazing um, grace that the Lord has has um, sort of a, put on our hearts and in our lives. But 
Um, but yeah, we weren't raised Christian in any way. I'd, I'd never really heard about Jesus Christ until uh, I, we moved into a new town and we were looking for a school um, to go to. And, and the only school that was accepting people still so late into the school year was a Lutheran school, actually. Um, and so I actually heard the, the proclamation of the gospel through, um, through my religion class in a Lutheran school as a sixth grader for the first time. And I think that was kind of the beginning of this like seed that was planted in my heart. Um, and I'm so grateful for, for that experience. Um, so that was like as a young sixth grader, and then um, uh, we actually <laughs> we were actually baptized. I was in eighth grade when I was baptized. My my um, my dad's mother, um, my grandmother was uh, was very sick, and it was like one of her uh, like deathbed wishes that her two grandsons were were baptized, and uh, and so my parents kind of begrudgingly baptized us, and then uh, she ended up living for another twenty years. So I think she was just faking her death to get us. <laughs> Um, an amazing, she was just an amazing faith-filled woman. So, it's amazing. so that was kind of, I mean, you know, if we believe in the, the truth of the sacrament, uh, that, you know, that was the beginning of my, my relationship with our Lord. But um, So grandma's you know, out there. <laughs> you're trying to get your grandkids so to you're, convert. Yeah, you're grandma and you need to get your, your grandkids baptized. I'm not sure if I can go lying, but it feels like there might I'm be something there. <laughs> Maybe appropriate to fake you guys. <laughs> that's, that's a new method for evangelization. Method. I haven't heard of that one. See? That's right. It's a new evangelization. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, we essentially, I, I went off from there, and I got, I just did the high school thing. I, you know, I, um, I had sort of, I had been baptized. I had spent a couple of years doing religion class in the Lutheran school, so I, I knew about Jesus, but it definitely was like a, like a simmering coal. It wasn't, I wasn't on fire by any stretch of the imagination, and um, is doing all the all the the stupid things that high school kids do, and just trying to experiment and figure out who I was and what brought me joy. Um, and towards the end of my my high school life, I, I realized that the things I was doing did not bring me actual joy, and I was um, I was empty, and I was looking for something else. And so, from there, um, you know, by the grace of God, at this point, my actually my parents had become had kind of reinvigorated their Catholic life. They were they were going to mass and um, were super faithful Catholics. Uh, my brother had become a Catholic, so I was kind of the, the last hanger-on, so to speak. And um, and I saw in my parents um, a new um, love that they had had for each other in their marriage, which, that, you know, marriage is always hard. And uh, when they were away from our Lord, um, it was especially difficult. But um, as they became more and more faithful and back into their Catholic faith, I saw um, a love that they had um, and like kind of reinvigoration of their marriage, and that was really inspiring to me. Um, and so I thought, well, if Catholics... You know, if the Catholic thing is working for them, I should go try it. So um, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was funny though because my first experience was as a Lutheran. So all I knew about Christianity is that um, Catholics were wrong about everything, and, <laughs> um, and I ended up kind of dragging myself into a Catholic church and uh, went to mass for the first time, and I was just blown away by the beauty and the grandeur of the Catholic mass. And um, from there, I um, I ended up talking to the youth minister at that parish. It was a life teen parish, and. Um, you know, thanks be to God, uh, he he really invested in me and, and kind of saw what I was going through, and um, and I had a couple of really profound adults who, um, including my parents and some core members and my youth minister, who just really poured into me and, and discipled me um, throughout the latter half of my my high school career, and um, and from there just kind of fanned the flames. I was confirmed, received the first Eucharist, and um, and from there um, just just really desired to to do for others what was given to me in that experience of conversion. That's awesome. Praise yeah. the Lord. Thank you, yeah. Jesus. And then you studied theology. Where did you study theology at? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I, I ended up going to um, Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio, and uh, 
I uh, studied theology and philosophy, and from there I uh, went to Augusta Institute uh, in, in Colorado to get my master's. Um, I met my wife at, at Steubenville, and we have three beautiful kids now. And um, yeah, I spent the first 10 years of my career um, working in youth ministry and campus ministry and teaching theology and, and really the, kind of like the direct evangelization um, of young people, which was really on my heart for my conversion. And then um, about five years ago, um, took the step over to Lighthouse Catholic Media and to support evangelical efforts through um, through gifts that I kind of learned and and, uh, and grown in. So um, it really, it's been a lifelong, uh, my whole life has just been, been in service of the church, and um, I'm so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise the Lord. I just love that so much. I, you know, I, I've been uh, reflecting a lot lately on this idea that <clears throat> the new evangelization isn't something that is... Uh, um, simply us trying to get back to the good old days. I think sometimes we can have like a negative attitude or not even a negative attitude, but we can, we can start losing hope in the midst of our modern cult- culture where we're kind of just like, man, there's so many people who have left the church and you're looking at Pew Research. You know, the most recent Pew Research that came out uh, identified that the millennial generation is the first generation in the United States where there are more people who identify as non-Christian than as Christian. And so you could start looking at these statistics and understand the statistics around the Catholic faith and and almost grow into despair, like, geez, everything is going wrong. But I've like just been inspired lately that it, it's not that we're like trying to get this, like, go back to the old days where everything was mm-hmm. great, but that God's actually doing something new today, that like there's going to be a new evangelization in the church that's never been done before, and we're going to become, as a church, we're going to become more effective more we're going to start reaching more people than we've ever reached before and you can you can see it like it's because there's organizations like uh, you miles like five stones is established simply as the quiet tool so that people can u- utilize to bring the gospel further, faster, more effectively, right? That yep. we're using our gifts and talents in evangelization like the church has never done before. And we're coming up with ideas and methods and expressions and passion like never before. And it's as if like, uh, you know, we're in, like, it's as if we're, we as a church have entered into a long winter, but it's like, it's now that February moment, right? And, and we're about to get into the spring. And John Paul II, he also called the new evangelization the new springtime. Yep. The things it's felt dead. It's felt dreary. We've seen the negative results, but something new is going to happen, and God is going to propel the church into evangelization better than she ever has been. We're going to become a better, stronger, more effective church. More lives are going to be saved. More people Mm -hmm. are going to come to the Eucharist. More people are going to start going to confession. We're going to uh, restore what God originally attended for the church, and people are going to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. It's just going to be amazing. I'm excited. Um, well, awesome. Miles, if people want to learn more about Five Stones, where could they go? Sure, yeah. Our website is wearefivestones.com. That's a five, the number five. Wearefivestones.com. Um, I invite you to come um, check out our website, see what we're up to, and um, take a look at our, our clients and the apostles that we work with and check out the things that they're doing because um, I can't speak enough uh, about the, the kind of people that we get to work with and the kind of things that they're doing to, to do something new in the church and exciting and not looking back but looking forward and how they can serve the church uniquely. So Amen. I invite you to wearefivestones.com. Um, like I said, check out our, our clients especially and see what they're up to and see if there's um, a way that you can uh, support them or or leverage what they're doing and um, use it in your own life. Yeah, you, you may even see Damascus. And if there's a heart inside of you that's just like, man, like something something stirred up in me in this show, and I want to start using my gifts uh, to 
um, expand the church more. I really want you to um, check out what they're doing too. Like if you're a graphic designer or you, you you know you specialize in software engineering and you're passionate about bringing those gifts into the church, check that out um, and see if you can bring your gifts to the church. Well, thanks so much, Miles. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, um, you're going to hear more about the new evangelization. You're listening to. Um, Beyond Damascus, a co-production of EWTN Radio and St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We will be right back. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he taught us a great lesson. He taught us that he came for the sinner, not the virtuous. He came for you. Because you are imperfect, because sin comes easy to you, and sometimes you don't have the willpower to say no. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Want the latest pro-life news? Want it delivered? Sign up. It's free. EWTN Pro-Life Weekly, your source for everything happening now in the fight to protect the sanctity of human life. New episodes delivered every week to your inbox. So if you really want to know, sign up today. Go to EWTN.com forward slash pro-life today. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Aaron, that was an incredible that interview. That was so fun. My, yeah. I, Miles, Five Stones, they're great. And uh, as a little disclaimer, yeah, so Five Stones, we met Five Stones through actually engaging them in some of uh, some of our initial plans for Damascus. And it was, uh, they're a great group to work with. Oh, I um, love just their humility, right? Yeah. That they just are hungry to serve Catholic apostolates so that they can become better at evangelization. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because we call ourselves the Catholic Church, the universal church, right? But sometimes we can also become the most siloed church, right? And <laughs> and we end up competing with other Catholics. We're like, well, yeah. they're competition over there. It's like, what? No, they're not. Like, And, and it, it's a temptation when I desire to do something good. It is very, it's easy for the, the temptation to become... Um, uh, that my Catholic brothers and sisters become my competition, yeah. right? And they're not—they're not my competition. That we need to work together. We need to collaborate. We—we we can't function in silos as a church anymore. That um, we need to share uh, the bond of brotherhood and a passion for evangelization together and make each other better, not mm-hmm. compete with each other, yep. right? Um, yep. No need to reinvent the wheel. So you, we've met a lot of people over all of us, like our listeners. Like we we meet people, right? We meet people who proclaim the gospel, who share the gospel. And sometimes you meet someone who shares the gospel with a lot of passion and zeal and enthusiasm and love for Jesus Christ, where you're like, wow, they really believe what they say and they yeah. love Jesus. They know him. And other times you meet people who maybe um, are trying to proclaim the gospel, but they're doing it with like apathy um, or kind of they're burnt out and they're beat up. And yeah. I, I wonder what is the key difference, right? What is the difference between one who... Um, is filled with they have an encounter with Jesus and they're filled with this passion to share the gospel with yeah. joy, right? The joy of the gospel as opposed to like <laughs> just the apathy uh, of sharing the gospel. And and I think often you know our uh, Pope Paul the Sixth he said the principal agent for evangelization yep. is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that if I haven't had an encounter a life-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit hasn't transformed my mind and my heart and propelled me into mission, then 
I'm just going to, uh, it, it's going to be impossible for me yeah. to evangelize. Right. I, I'd even take it a step further. You know, um, the, I don't know, the, the two identities that you, that you, that you talked about, Dan, that's not a, that's not a, a mode of condemnation, right? Uh, I would suspect that maybe, maybe some of our listeners today are, 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 are maybe experiencing a bit of conviction that, you know, I, I sit in one of those two camps or maybe in the middle that, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I am a, I am passionately on fire for my, for my Catholic faith and I'm doing everything I can or, um, you know, more than likely, maybe, maybe you're thinking to yourself right now, gosh, this is, a, this is a moment for me to ask myself, like, am, am I doing in fact what the Lord's calling me to do? Am I, am I fulfilling, you know, my responsibility in terms of a response to his, to his grace and to, into the call for this church? And, uh, you know, I, I think back to this, to the, even the story of, of the beginning, the story of the beginning of the church, um, in the days, uh, in the days following the crucifixion of our Lord, like who were, who were the first primary evangelists, right? They were, they were the apostles. They were the ones who went throughout the street. They were, they were Peter who, who walked down, uh, who walked down the streets and, and, and by his shadow healed the sick, right? They were, that's pretty cool. I'm still trying that. I'm like, come on, come on. (laughs) Dang it, it, shadow. (laughs) Um, you know, they, they were, they were, they were the apostles. They were Paul who, who preached, um, in the midst of persecution, knowing that that the ones who were waiting to imprison him were standing in the crowd, right? And yep. uh, and what was it that gave those first apostles that that apostolic zeal for evangelization? It wasn't their training. It wasn't their background. Um, you know, it uh, it may have been something that was that was hidden and lying dormant in them. But it, uh, I I would suggest to us that it was actually it was a particular moment. An event um, it, it, where where the where the Holy Spirit showed up and changed things for them. Remember the the, the apostles. Uh, what, what was their status at the night of the crucifixion? Right, maybe one of them was was there, John, and and the others uh, had left, not because um, you know, not because uh, they were strategizing for the next step. Um, but because they'd given up hope, they were, they were terrified. In fact, it shows, you know, scripture tells us that when the apostles gathered in the upper room, they weren't gathered there in strategy. They weren't gathered there to plan their next, their next, uh, uh, front, their, their next evangelistic mission. They were there out of fear. They, they were, they were gathered out of fear. Why were they afraid? Because countless, countless messiahs had come before, right? Who had said that they were the Lord and they had died. And when they died, their followers' mission was ended, right? When they died, their followers either died with them or uh, went back to their way of work and realized, gosh, I've wasted three years. And and that's kind of the process that these guys were going through that night. But, but who you see living out the call in the rest of the Acts of the Apostles isn't that, isn't those guys. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not individuals who are, who are cowering in fear, but it's, it's men and and ultimately men and women who who were inspired with with passion and with evangelistic zeal and and what was it that that empowered the initial evangelization of the church well it was a singular event it was pentecost right mm-hmm. it was where it was where they they were gathered um believing in the promises that Jesus the resurrected Jesus had made but not knowing how the heck this was going to happen and they simply prayed in anticipation and receptivity, and they received the power of the Holy Spirit, and everything changed. 
Yeah, there is no new evangelization without a new Pentecost. And those are the words of Pope Benedict, not, <laughs> not just Dan. And there, there is, there, there is like if 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 we want a new springtime, if we want to get out of the the winter, yeah, then we need the Lord, the Giver of Life, yeah. right? Like the yeah, Holy yeah. Spirit is the Lord, the Giver of Life, and and you see right after Pentecost, what takes place? They they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Their their hearts are set on fire, and they go out in the streets, and people are bewildered and amazed and confused and astonished. You see all of these words in Acts chapter 2. The people they're amazed and they're astonished by what's happened in these people's lives and then when Peter proclaims the gospel 3,000 come to believe and I think we need to have that kind of expectation in the church again that we can't be like well I hope I hope people come to this event that I planned right or I hope that if just one person's life has changed no we want 3,000 people to come to believe again. We We want to take the gospel on the streets and for people to be amazed and confused and bewildered and astounded and say what do I must do like that's what when Peter got done preaching they, it says that they were cut to the heart mm-hmm. and it's only the Holy Spirit that cut them to the heart it's not like Peter was such a powerful speaker that it was the Holy Spirit was cutting them to the heart and they asked this insane question what must we do mm-hmm. what must we do right and he says repent and be baptized But that question, that their lifestyle, the disciples were so transformed by the person of the Holy Spirit, and their witness was so beautiful and compelling that that question was asked. And if our lifestyle isn't beautiful and compelling enough, people aren't going to ask that question. And I think that's the problem, that the church, that we need to live lifestyles that are so beautiful and compelling that people are coming to us on the (laughs) streets, they're coming to us in the marketplace, they're coming to us in our neighborhoods, and they're saying, what must we do? Because I want that joy that you have. I want that whatever good spirit you have going on in you, I want that. And then they share the gospel, and they're able to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to others. Yeah. Uh, One of the... Uh, it's it's a unique um i don't know we live in a, a a unique experience in today's culture that the very things that are prompting i believe the uh the world to step away from um from the christian faith from the catholic faith are the core tenets of catholicism right i mean look at social culture like uh the the, the push toward equality and um and dignity and identity, like all of these things that would that would maybe direct individuals away from from the church. This is the core to the church, right? That that we're that we're created in the image and likeness of God. Um, that that each man and woman has has dignity that's imbued by Him. That we come to know our identity. We come to know who we are through understanding who we are in light of Him. Um, it's it's a perversion of the truth that exists at the core of Catholicism. I think I think one of the other big pieces that. Um, that that might detract people from understanding the heart of the gospel today would be uh just the compelling nature of media right that that we're we're constantly surrounded by uh by by writing by music by movies by television shows um by illustration and and photography and um and there's these displays of human creativity that that don't align with the gospel but the reality is um, you know, it, it, when we when we look to our common Christian call, our, our, our creation, that, that we are we are called to participate in the co-creation of of the world, right? That that we are we are actually called that, that Christians should be the ones who are pushing pushing the boundaries on effective communication through through visual art, through photography, through media, 
and it's hard work and we've got, you know, at this point in history, I think we've got the deck stacked against us, but, but, um, we, we need to understand our call, um, our call to transform culture. Well, and that, I, I think, you know, we say, uh, beyond Damascus, because what's, what's important is that Damascus moment in your life where you've encountered the person of Jesus Christ and have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that just like St. Paul had that Damascus uh, experience on the road to Damascus, right? That we want to have those experiences, those events in our life, those Pentecost moments where we're transformed and then we're sent on mission, that what happens beyond that moment is so critical. And um, I think sometimes we go into mission uh, and yet we've never had that experience yeah. where we're trying to bring people to Jesus, but I don't even know Jesus myself. Or sometimes we we go into mission and we we forget that we have to go back to Damascus. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes I need to go back to those moments of prayer and 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 be filled and filled and filled, right? So that I'm overflowing. I it says that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. They were filled and then they went out and then they started getting persecuted and people said, we want to kill you. You know, the Sanhedrin's plotting their death and their imprisonment. And mm-hmm. so then they go back into the upper room in Acts chapter four and it says they start praying for boldness. And what happens? They're filled with the Holy Spirit again, yep. right? That yep. it's just for them, it was this pattern of being filled over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's easy, like when you're evangelizing, you're pouring yourself out. And so if you pour yourself out, and you don't refill your tank, you're going to get burnout really fast. But if you pour yourself out and you get filled over and over and over again, you become, uh, you know, what does Jesus say? That the Holy Spirit is like uh, the fountain of living water, right? That you're filled with the fountain of living water where the the Spirit just flows forth from you. And you never, you're poured out, but you're never burnt out. So listeners, seek opportunity to be filled. Um, Seek opportunity for your children to be filled. Uh, don't settle with the reality that I've got what it takes. I've got enough. Dan, let's, let's pray yes. um, now for each one of our listeners that, that that could happen in their lives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to fall. Just come and fill our listeners up, fill their hearts, their minds, their bodies with your presence. I pray that they would come to know you. I pray that the Pentecost event would happen in our lives, Lord, more and more and more, that we'd be transformed by you. Yeah. Jesus, give us the way to respond. Mm-hmm. God, I pray that you would you would let uh, that passion in us bubble up to the surface, whether it's for art, whether it's for music, um, whether it's for warehousing. Uh, Jesus, teach us uh, teach us how it is that you want us to respond and be a part of your plan. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you want to listen to more of our shows, you can download our podcast wherever podcasts are found, Beyond Damascus. And to share your, if you want to share your story with others, contact us and uh, we will share your story. Thanks for listening. God bless.